welcome to the deep end episode two i am your co-host hamed joining me is my childhood friend and sports prodigy mo yes sir yes sir what's going on man how you doing i'm doing all right man uh happy birthday man uh if you guys don't know mo's birthday came up within the last week and since since this is the first opportunity i can get to talk to him um live i'd just like to wish you a happy birthday man oh thank you bro i appreciate it man it's been uh it's been a while going on 20 something years us knowing each other and uh yeah. never thought never thought i'd ever get a happy birthday wish over a podcast but hey man <laughs> i mean i never really i'll take I, it I, yeah <laughs> I, I mean i never really thought i'd have a podcast of my own but you know here we are <laughs> hey man we'll take it we'll take it right I'll, I'll definitely take that we got a lot to get into though a lot to get into Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. is back, man. Soccer's back, and I am so excited for it. Soccer's back, and fans are back, man. It's just amazing yeah. having having it's, fans in the ground. It's just electric atmosphere every single game, no matter who's playing. It's nuts. No, yeah, you truly love to see it. Um, all right, so let's let's get into it. Um, for those of you again who listened to episode one, you know that we're going to go pretty heavy on the Premier League. And uh, the 2021-2022 campaign went down underway. All 20 teams played. There were 10 games over a three-day period last weekend. So, you know, let's, let's definitely get into that. Um, I'll go ahead and start off. Uh, you had Manchester United and Leeds United. Uh, Leeds obviously coming in their second season in the Premier League. After gaining promotion last season, they finished ninth, I believe, last year, which isn't bad, you know. They still have, you know, improvements to make. Um, clearly, clearly, after watching the Manchester United game, it was very clear that they do have improvements to make. Uh, Manchester United, they had a fantastic first day, uh, both during the game and before the game. Before the game, a full Old Trafford Stadium, you know, fans are back because, you know, uh, COVID-19 restrictions got lifted off of England. So you had a very packed Old Trafford Stadium, and uh, before the game, they revealed that Rafael Varane, the central defender from Real Madrid, completed his signing, and he was, you know, revealed in front of all the fans. He's going to be wearing number 19 for the Devils. And and then, you know, a full thrashing of Leeds United, to say the least, 5-1. to Oof, that was nasty. Just just brutal, man. (laughs) No mercy there from... From Man United, <laughs> absolutely. We're, we're we, I mean, a lot of people had some great games. Uh, obviously, first off, Bruno Fernandez, who is quickly showing that he is one of the best players in this league, with a hat trick on day one. That is absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, he's truly showing that he's going to be the core of Man United going forward. That the team is going to be built strictly around him. Yeah, he's he's absolutely just a world class player, and he, like you said, he's he's been proving that. And I feel like when he when he came to Man United last year, there was some doubters, but he's definitely proved he's world class right now. No, he's 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 fantastic. You know, playmaking, scoring, free kicks. You know, he does it all. He does it all. And uh, like I said, hat trick in his first game. That's I remember first game back. I mean, that's not bad at all. Um, considering that he had a you know a a weak run with Portugal during the Euros, uh, this was really great to see. Um, you know, a hat trick is obviously very impressive in any sport. But if I'm going to talk about the star of the show, I'm going to talk about Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba, man, he had four yes. assists during that game. Four assists. 
I know that doesn't seem like much. I know it's very impressive, but still, it doesn't seem like much when we're talking about the final score of five to one. But you got to put in perspective that Paul Pogba had three assists all of last season. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he 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 outdid that in one game. That's just that's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are gonna say, you know, he was injured for most of the season. You know, he there was you know a bunch of this whole saga about you know transferring to either PSG or Juventus or whatever it is. But still, you know. Three assists in one season is is very subpar for a player like Paul Pogba and for a player with a Paul Pogba contract. Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, with 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 the whole Paul Pogba thing, just real quick, he's people are getting getting on him, and I think rightfully so last year, bro, because like someone of his caliber and of his potential, he just wasn't living up to it last season. A lot of people are getting on him. And I think he's I think he's coming for blood this year, man. I'm I'm just gonna say I think he's like he's he's out he's out with a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove to those naysayers. So I have to say watch out for Paul Pogba this year, man, for sure. I I definitely agree with you there. And it's I mean just because of that, because he feels the competition. If you look at Man United squad at the moment, they have a lot of players in midfield that could easily take his spot. You know, they have, you know, uh Matic, they have uh Donny Van de Beek, you know, they have even Jadon Sancho, the newest signing for Man United, he could technically play midfield if they wanted to set up in that system. He has a lot of oh, competition yeah. on his hands, so he has to show out each and every week to keep that starting spot. Exactly. Yep, that's true. Um, the rest of the game was fantastic. Like I said, Bruno Fernandez hat trick, as previously mentioned. You had Mason Greenwood uh, scoring. He's a really, really good youngster. He's talented, and he's he's you know he has future. He has potential to be the striker in under Ole system going forward. He's he's fantastic. You know, he's only going to grow better and better. You also have uh, the Brazilian Fred scoring in the 68th minute and Luke Shaw, who had a fantastic run at the Euros with England, continuing his amazing run of form. He also scored. And uh, when it comes to Leeds United, you know, Patrick Bamford, you know, their, their striker, their star player, he disappeared under the spotlight, you know. Uh, I've I've been following him for a while because I re- I was really paying attention to Leeds since they got promoted, but you know Patrick Bamford is uh, he needs to do a little bit better. He needs to do a little bit better to prove that he's one of the premier strikers of this league. Yeah, he had a decent year last year, I think, but like you said, he needs to with being in the Premier League with this much competition, you just can't settle for being like an average player to stand out at least, you know. You gotta kind of you you gotta do something to stand out for sure, and who knows, man? Maybe maybe this year he'll have he'll have a better run. Oh yeah, hopefully. You know, you you only hope for the best for players like that, especially for Leeds United, who are truly who they were a truly a staple of the Premier League in the '90s and the '80s and stuff like that. And then they, you know they had a bad run of form um, in the 2000s, and you know hopefully they're here to stay. Um, moving on to the next game. You had Liverpool and Norwich. Uh, Norwich back in the Premier League. Uh, no offense to Norwich or their fans, but I don't think that they're here to stay. You know, they last season they spent it in the Championship. This, you know, they, the, the season before that was in the Premier League. Uh, they're what we call a yo-yo club. They're just bouncing between, you know, the second tier and the first tier. Yeah, you know, year oh. after year. I, I don't, I don't see a lot of improvement for Norwich, uh, especially under an aging uh, Pookie. Who is a fantastic striker, but again, he's aging. Uh, Cantwell, he's he's okay, but you know he still has a realized potential. 
Um, when it comes to signings, they didn't sign that many players except for maybe Emil Buendia. And um, they loaned Billy Gilmore from Chelsea. Billy Gilmore is a very young player. He's very raw. But I definitely see potential for him to be a really, really great midfielder. And hopefully he gets the playing time that he deserves at Norwich because, you know, he's definitely not going to get that kind of shot at Chelsea with their stacked midfield. Yeah, I remember you were actually, honestly, man, I'll admit it. I, I didn't really know who Billy Gilmore or was. I, um, I've heard of him sparingly, but once you told me about him and you were very high on him, I kind of just like went back and did some research. And uh, yeah, I just looked at his stats, looked at some of his, some of his skills some of his passes, and yeah, he seems like he does have really good potential as a young guy. He's, he's great. He's just very, like I said, he's very unrefined. He needs to hone his skills a little bit more, and this is the reason that he got loaned out, you know, because like I said, a stacked midfield at Chelsea, a, a club that's clearly looking to win now after winning the Champions League, um, you're not going to really find a lot of minutes for him on the pitch unless maybe it's a cup game or maybe a game that isn't as important in the league. So, you know, him going to Norwich to get some serious playtime is going to do wonders for him, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, what, what, what got me about this game was really funny. I know you, you're probably going to get to it, but um, Mo Salah, obviously, Mo Salah is great. Mo Salah is he's an amazing player, but the fact that he broke a record for scoring in consecutive like week, opening games, that's just that's crazy. That's five years in a row. Five years in a row, I believe. Yeah, no, that's that's an impressive set. It is, it is. He's 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 definitely one of the biggest players, not just in the Premier League. We're talking about like world, worldwise on a global scale. He's he's fantastic. You know, he's he's definitely. Uh, I wouldn't say he was. He's the core of the of the uh, Liverpool squad, but I would definitely say that he is maybe their most important piece. Because, again, you know, you don't really find wingers like him anymore. You don't find, you know, speedy wingers who can also dribble and they have great accuracy when it comes to, you know, shooting. And, you know, he passes. You know, a lot of people complain that he doesn't pass. And maybe that there were some issues between him and Sadio Mane last year because of, you know, the lack of passing and chemistry between them. But I don't see that. I just think, you know, a lot of people are trying to stir it up to see if maybe Salah would maybe, you know, move to another club, see, you know, try himself out in another league. You never know. But I think he's 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 here to stay at Liverpool. He still has two years left on his contract. But um, Jurgen Klopp actually just came out today and said that they're currently in negotiations to extend that even further, which is always great news because I don't want to see him leave, to be honest. No, me neither. I uh, he's he's only been here for yeah, like maybe like four or five seasons. But five I still years. can't. Yeah, I can't picture Liverpool without him though. Even though he's not like he's not like a veteran by any means in like the Liverpool team, but. You know, I still can't picture Liverpool without him. And what was funny is before he, when he scored the goal, the fans were chanting, you know, the the Mo Salah chant, running down the wing, Mo Salah, the Egyptian king, that chant. Yeah. They were yeah. they were chanting that, and he looked at them literally as the corner was being played in, and he like kind of like waved at them, and then he got the ball and he scored, and he looked back at them and kind of gave them like a bigger, even like bigger wave, and they. That's just one of those things where like when the crowd's involved, man, and like intensity's up he's one of those players that he does not fold under pressure whatsoever so no, I, I totally agree that's this is why having fans back is such a great thing you know the fans push you on the fans you know they motivate you when it comes to an empty stadium you you're literally just relying on yourself and your own momentum to score or defend or whatever whatever your role is on the squad 
But when you have fans, and you know that it adds an extra kick to what you really believe in or what you really think you could do. And this this is this is a prime example of it. When you know when you have Salah literally waving to the fans who are coming back to Anfield, or they were coming back to Norwich. Uh, because the game was played at Norwich, I'm sorry. Uh, but mm. there was a section of Liverpool fans, you know, having them cheer him on, and literally as the t- corner was being taken, him scoring, that's that's something magical. It's it's truly nothing short of magical for me. He even went on, like I said, he did score once, but he also had two assists, which is fantastic. Yeah, again, it just goes to show the, the pure class and quality. And like you said, Norwich... They're they're a yo-yo club, you know. There's not much they could do. They were outclassed by Liverpool. I mean, the the game got off to a nice start. I felt like Norwich kind of had some opportunities to score, but once Liverpool kind of got themselves straightened out and they got a grip on the game, it was eh, it was pretty much a formality at that point. I would say, essentially, yeah. No, Norwich was great. You know, they, their fans did all they could, but again, quality when it comes to squad quality, Liverpool is much deeper, much more superior. They have a lot more chemistry because, again, when you're relegated to a second tier, most of the players in your squad try to leave because, you know, not not a lot of players are very open to playing in a second tier. You know what I mean? So Norwich, they did, they did have to sell a lot of their, you know, their up-and-coming players or maybe their veterans. And now that they're uh, of back, course. Yeah. Yeah. now that they're back, you know, they tried all they could. But again, simply outclassed by Liverpool. Um, moving on to the next game, we have Chelsea and Crystal Palace. I watched a good chunk of this game. Chelsea looked fantastic. You know, I thought that maybe last season would be like, I wouldn't say a Cinderella season or a fluke, but, you know, things fell into place at the right place at the right time for Chelsea. But now it kind of looks like Chelsea are in it to win it, not just Champions League. We're talking about Premier League as well. You know, they're 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 selling a lot of their players, you know, they're getting rid of all the dead weight and they're making some great signings. And not just that, they're doing fantastic on the pitch. You know, Thomas Tu Tuchel, he's truly one of the best coaches in the world right now. Truly. Uh they easily outclass Crystal Palace three zero. Uh not a great sign for Crystal Palace fans because they have a new coach in Patrick Vieira who took over for Roy Hodgson, who retired um at Crystal Palace last season. Uh, Roy was a great coach. He's tr- definitely a legend of the game. But if we're talking about results-wise, Crystal Palace hasn't really done much in the last ten years. Maybe we're talking maybe yeah. a decade worth of mediocrity, which is not really great. I just hope yeah, it changes for them. No, I, 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 I was gonna say I, I hope it changes for them. You know, under this new coach, because Patrick Vieira is a very good coach. I, I, I wouldn't say he's a really good coach, but he was a fantastic player. And you know they definitely have some uh, they have some good pieces on that squad. You know they still have Wilfred Zaha, they have Kristen Benteke, they have uh, their keeper Guaita, who is truly one of the best keepers in the league. But again, uh, a lot of problems on defense, uh, a non-existent midfield, if I'm going to be honest, and uh, definitely, definitely no bench depth. If we're talking about bench depth, the only person that can be truly considered a Impact player is maybe Aaron Townsend. And again, I don't think he's continuing at Crystal Pass for long. You never really know how these transfers go. But uh, again, like Norwich, Crystal Palace simply outclassed by a superior club. Uh, they're being run very well. And uh, to top things off, right after the Chelsea game, they announced that they uh, signed Romelu Lukaku, who is truly one of the best strikers in the world at this moment, which is, you know, the rich get richer, essentially. 
Yeah, I mean, Chelsea was kind of like asking for a striker because I feel like Timo Werner, I mean, he can't really be your number one option with just like um, the amounts of misses and like he's been he's been kind of poor as far as as far as uh, perform, uh, performance goes as of late. So I think definitely getting it's funny because Inter Milan said, obviously, like we're not signing Romelu Lukaku and then Chelsea and uh, uh, Abramovich, I think, yeah, his owner, he came in with all this money. They're like, okay we'll sell him <laughs> so it's like he's off limits till someone presents like you know the the the, the amount yeah yeah no. so so it's 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 really good that they got him they're gonna they're gonna definitely need him and i think he's gonna i mean he's been at chelsea before he's familiar with you know with all the culture of chelsea i mean it's different now with thomas tuchel but i think he's still gonna fit in pretty well um he's just a striker man he's a typical ball hawking knows where the goal is like he will he will finish for you you can definitely rely on him to score and that's the difference between him and timo werner in my opinion no that's definitely true i i honestly can't even tell if it's if it was timo timo werner or just the infamous uh chelsea curse uh apparently there's a curse on chelsea like i think they haven't had a proper striker in the last maybe seven eight years and they sign these these world-class names but when they come to chelsea they don't really work out we're talking players that have been to chelsea such as diego costa we're talking about alvaro morata we're talking about you know obviously timo werner they had a lot of great players who played fantastic with their former teams but for some reason when it comes to chelsea you know they don't really they they perform subpar you know timo werner Two years ago, during his last season at RB Leipzig, he was he was fantastic. He was a goal scoring machine, not just in the Bundesliga. We're talking about the Champions League as well. But for some reason, when he got to Chelsea, you know, he just had these absolute sitters, wide open chances. You could literally make a highlight video of the amount of times he had an open goal in front of him and he could not hit. So hopefully, hopefully the ch- the curse will be broken by Romelu Lukaku because I I definitely if 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 Lukaku can't break that curse, then I don't see who can. Yeah, no, that's true. If he can, if if he can do it, then yeah, there's definitely something to to raise your eyebrows at because he's he's a world class player, and if he can't break this so called curse, then yeah, no one else can. But just to kind of piggyback off what you said, I think that's pretty much. The game what really got me from this game though aside from you know chelsea dominating um i forgot his name i'm sure you'll remind me the guy that scored the last goal for chelsea he was like a chelsea like boyhood fan Are you talking about Trevor chaloba yeah chaloba he was like yeah. it was just so nice watching him score the goal because like he's like oh my god i'm gonna go celebrate and then he was just like overcome with like this like immense joy and like happiness that he just kind of like fell to his knees he didn't even get to celebrate and i just thought that was awesome just like seeing someone like that being like a like a boyhood fan of chelsea i think he was part of the youth academy i'm not 100 percent sure but he's been just a boyhood fan and he had pictures with mason mount like back in the day when they were both really young um it was it was nice that was like my my takeaway from the game besides the performance that that was that was a feel-good moment yeah, it really was, and it's 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 especially heartwarming to think that or to see that from him because he had a few loan spells or a few, you know, uh, spells at other teams. You know, he was bouncing around between clubs in France, uh, bouncing around through a few third tier uh, teams in England. It's really nice to see him, 
um, you know, do well. And, uh, you know, just, just to finish off this, this little segment with Chelsea, um, the thing that I noticed the most, that they barely played with, you know, their starters. If we're going to look at the lineups, we're talking about players that didn't really get a lot of game time last season. So for them to win that easily, um, it's, it's really great to see from Chelsea, knowing that when they're at full strength, they're going to be a problem in the Premier League. You know, essentially, they, as of now, I am considering them um, Premier League title contenders. Definitely. I, I'm not sure if they would, you know, if that if that same thought applies to the Champions League, but I could definitely see them winning the Premier League title this year. Yeah, I feel like this season is just wide open. Um, and to kind of transition to another team that might win it, people are probably going to call me crazy, but Tottenham, um, Tottenham and Man City played as well on Sunday. It was, I think it was the only game on Sunday. Um, these are two teams that... I feel like obviously Man City is going to be always be a favorite, but I think Tottenham can definitely turn some heads this year. Um, I think Nuno, uh, the, their coach Nuno, is he's he's a really good coach. What he did with Wolves was was awesome. Like he developed a lot of good players. He he made them very competitive. Um, and Harry Kane's kind of in question. We don't know what's going to happen with Harry Kane exactly yet. He's playing hardball. Um, I personally think he's gonna he's gonna end up coming back to Tottenham. I'm not sure, but no one really knows what's gonna happen with him exactly. But as far as the game goes, it was kind of like a it was kind of like a both teams are going at it like a heavyweight fight. Both teams swinging. Um, Jack Grealish, the new uh, hundred million pound man, played today or on Sunday during that game, made his debut for Man City. Uh, he was he was pretty underwhelming. I'm not re- I'm not gonna lie. It could be a lot of things. It could be the nerves from going from like a small ish club like Aston Aston Villa to a huge club like Man City. It could be a lot of things. First game. Um, a lot of people don't perform in the first game. It's okay. Doesn't mean he's he's a bad player. I was just surprised. But um, Son, uh, my boy Sonaldo. Uh, he's a beast as always. Without Harry Kane today or on Sunday, sorry, did his thing. Um, he obviously scored the goal, but he was making dangerous runs. He was putting pressure on the Man City back line, which is arguably one of the best back lines in the Premier League. Um, but Man City did have their chances, though. Um, Pep, I feel like Pep's been playing. He does this a lot. He plays around with the lineups a lot. And he kind of goes with like a unorthodox lineup sometimes. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think he kind of he kind of did that to his detriment today. Um, I don't know. I just feel like what Man City are in need for right now is a striker. So if a Harry Kane were to come to Man City like a typical number nine guy, like I'm going to be the striker, I'm going to be the Luis Suarez, you know that type of guy. I'm going to get the ball in the net. If they can get that. I think that would make them unstoppable, but if, as long as they, as long as Harry Kane stays at Tottenham and doesn't go there, I think Tottenham has a great chance of winning. I mean, I, I'm more of a Barca fan. Of course, everyone that's listening to this probably knows that already. I'm a diehard Barca fan. I don't really have a team in the Premier League, but if I did, it would probably be Tottenham, just because I respect the fact that they don't really go out and like, you know, spend this ungodly amount of money on players. They kind of scout their players and they get, you know. Decent talent. They don't. They don't break the bank. They don't get the Galactico signings. They 
they get some really good players and they develop them, man. Like, I, I kind of respect them for that. And I just love Son. I just love the way he plays. I just love his how he is as a person. He seems like a great guy. So, yeah, it was just... It was, just because Man City lost this game doesn't mean anything. Man City could still go on like a 20-game unbeaten streak. But, yeah. You know, I, I, I totally get your point. And I agree with, you know, most of everything that you said. Uh, but if we're going to talk about Man City... Um, if they sign Harry Kane, I do not. I agree with you that they are unstoppable. I, I do not see anyone stopping them. But without Harry Kane, um, as 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 fantastic a coach uh, Pep Guard, Pep Guardiola is, I don't I don't see them winning the title this year. They'll definitely be in it until the last day. But I just don't see Man City winning the title or a Champions League this year if they don't have a true number nine. Because I watched that game very closely. Um, when it was played. And both teams, by the way, they went with pretty unorthodox lineups. If we're talking about the front three, we're talking about for um, for Vertanum, you had a front three of uh, Hyungumin Sun as striker, because obviously Harry Kane is still playing hardball while he tries to negotiate a transfer, most likely to Man City if he does end up transferring. You have Steven Bergwine, who is a very speedy uh, left bat, or left uh, wing, who um, I love. I, I The second I found out that that guy was uh, signing for Tottenham, I was very excited. He is truly one of the fastest players in the world, for sure. He's very under the radar. He's very underrated. And, That's what I mean. Um, like this, Those are the type of guys, guys that they sign. You know? That's why I like what I like about Tottenham. They'll sign those guys, and then those guys will end up developing into great players. Absolutely. No, it's, it's definitely just... You know, I, I agree with your with your comment about you know how Tottenham doesn't really break the bank when it comes to signings, but uh, under this new coach who is a definitely a very hard worker, I could definitely see Tottenham doing some things even without uh, even without Harry Kane. Um, when it comes to Man City, though, I have a lot to complain about. I uh, I don't know what Pep was doing last week um, when it, when he chose the lineups. I'm pretty sure he went with uh, Sterling at uh, striker, who and Sterling plays either the left wing position or the right wing position, depends on you know who's playing against him or who he's playing alongside. And then he went for Riyad Mahrez at right wing, which is you know that's fine. And Graylish, he was basically the central attacking midfielder, but again, it kind of like when as the game went on, it kind of felt like he transitioned into the left wing spot, which is something that Drake really just did often um, when he was playing with Aston Villa. But again, I don't see Man City, like they looked lost out there. If we're talking, if we're comparing the front three of Man City compared to the front three of Tottenham, Tottenham definitely had an unorthodox lineups as well as Man City did, but they looked much better. Like Man City, they had a lot of shots. Not many of them landed on target. If we're talking about, you know, Tottenham, they had, they looked dangerous. They looked really, really dynamic out there against Man City. You know, it kind of just showed. It kind of felt like it was a message to Harry Kane that you know. Put your heart into the team, and we can achieve things together. I know that they haven't won trophies in in a very long time. You know, it, to mm -hmm. the point where it's become basically a meme. But still, yeah, this is a very good squad. You know, regardless of where Harry Kane goes, if he decides to stay with Don, I'm, I'm sure that they can definitely achieve something under this coach. Uh, if he goes to Man City, I could definitely see him winning trophies. But again, I would if I'm if I'm Harry Kane, yes, sure, I would love to go for the money. Um, because guaranteed that if if Harry Kane does go to Man City, 
He would definitely be the most expensive English player in the history of the Premier League. That title currently belongs to Jack Jack Grealish, by the way. He is definitely he is one hundred percent the most expensive uh, Premier League signing, or for an English player at least. Um, hmm. And that brings a lot of pressure. Like like I said, you know, you said he was underwhelming during that game. He definitely was. He wasn't doing that fantastic. He even got stressed or nervous during the end. He got picked up yellow in the ninetieth minute, which is obviously very. Um, you know, immature or very strange of him to do, um, and it sucks for me because I had him in my fantasy team. To be honest, and that's 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 a point I I needed, you know, in in the tight race that I have in my fantasy league, or technically in our fantasy league. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, no, uh, uh, Tom, not doing too hot in that. <laughs> we'll get to that later, though. But definitely, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like 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 I was saying, Tottenham, they looked fantastic out there. Uh they even revealed, you know, the their new signing got some minutes at the end, uh Christian Romero. Uh I think he's gonna do really well under Nuno. Uh Nuno is very, very famous for developing players that are not world class and they're ma- and he makes them into something decent. If we're talking about Wolves, you know, he made Rui Patricio. I know he's a starter for Portugal, starting keeper, I mean, but still he made him into a very great player. And uh, Patricio loved him. He really did. To the point where the second Nuno left, I think it was a week after Patricio left and he went to Roma to play under Mourinho. Uh, If we're going to talk about other players that thrived in the Wolf system under Nuno, we're talking about Ruben Neves, we're talking about, you know, Moutinho, we're talking about Adama Traore even. Uh, All three of those players did really well under his system. And I'm sure that Sun will uh, replicate the results that Nuno is expecting of him because he's he's a great player. He's very he's one of my favorites in this league, definitely. All right, so I think we covered everything in that game. So going from two teams that might win it to two teams that probably are ne- aren't going to win it at all. Um, Arsenal took on Brentford. Brentford, the newly promoted team, Premier League. Um, I think it's been like seventy something years since they've been in the top flight. Seventy four years, something. Seventy four. Like seventy four years. Yeah, so it's just unreal, man. And like for them to like play a team like Arsenal to make a statement in the first game, which they did, two um, 0 Brentford. <clears throat> um, yeah, I just think from from this game, it's more of like, yeah, Brentford won, but I feel like it's more of an Arsenal lost thing. Arsenal's been in shambles like since since the past season for sure. Um, since pretty much since Arsene Wenger left, essentially. Yeah, so since Arsene, Arsene Wenger, there were people were calling for his head on a stick, man. Like, literally, people people did not want anything to do with Arsene Wenger. Same thing with Unai Emery. He got in. He They wanted him out right away. Now, he he beat them with his Villarreal team in the Europa League final. So, um, I guess that's what you get for, like, you, you, just, you just can't be happy with one thing. And that's kind of why I'm here, not to bash Arsenal, but to just say, like, this club is in shambles and it's a sinking ship and it's if not as already sunk to to do that to play like that against a team like Brentford yeah Brentford was like they they wanted to take the game to Arsenal and they kind of did it but uh, I think it was the first goal um, it was a it was a poor defensive clearance by by one of the Arsenal uh, defenders I'm not sure who it was um, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I have that for you um, might have been Pablo Mari. It was. It, it, was, it was. It was Mari. It was Pablo Mari. Yeah, it was. It was a bad clearance. It kind of came right to the guy. 
Aaron Leno should not. You should not be getting beat near posts like that if you're a keeper of, of his class. You know, you should not be getting beat near posts like that. Um, yeah, the guys just looked. They just looked awful. Their defense looked bad. Um, yeah, they didn't have they didn't have Lacazette or Alba playing. I get it. It's two of your best players, but still, you gotta you gotta show up to play. And I think that's where it stems from. Every game Arsenal plays, it's like we can always say this. It's like they don't show up ready to play. It doesn't seem like they even want to play, which is has to fall on Arteta too. And I don't want to be a whole like Arteta out, you know, Arteta in. I'm not an Arsenal fan. I don't really care that much. But from what I'm seeing is I don't think that guy's doing a great job. And I think if you're an Arsenal fan, these are horrible times. These are just just terrifying, like seeing your team go down like this. And, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of all I'm going to say is I'm just glad I'm not an Arsenal fan because it's miserable right now. It's terrible. It is. It is. Um, You know, Arsenal has a lot of they have a lot of problems. Uh, for talking about coaching, uh, I'm not exactly ready to kick Arteta out of the club, but um, you know, for as you know, for as for as long as they've wanted him, they wanted him for more than a few years now. You know, they called him a uh, offensive guru. They, you know, you know, he was Pep's prodigy. He's going to you know form the next great culture of the Premier League when he coaches Arsenal. I have not seen that yet. And like you mentioned, yes, they had a lot of players, not just Aubameyang and, and Lacazette. They had a lot of players that didn't play, but at the same time, the players that were available are players that Arsenal fans swear by week in and week out, whether it's social media or, you know, the famous TV program or AFTV. You know, you had players like Emil Smith-Rowe. You had players like Bukayo Saka. You had players like, you know... Uh, you know, Rice Nelson. They had a lot of great youngsters on the pitch. And by, and the, by way, the way, all these players... Uh, Smith Rowe, who they gave their number 10 to. He's <laughs> yeah, not playing yeah. like a number 10. <laughs> He's uh, definitely not worthy of that spot yet. I'm not ready to write him off. But um, I just... I have no idea what they were doing when they uh, announced that decision. I think the previous number 10 was uh, Mesut Ozil. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that's a player they basically kicked out of the club. Uh, no one really knows why. You know, a lot of people are assuming it's because of his uh, stance uh, against China. And, you know, again, there's obviously business relationships between the Arsenal team and, you know, I guess Chinese sponsors or whatever it is. Um, yeah. A lot of people are assuming that that's basically the reason that he left. I'm pretty sure he plays for Fenerbahce now in Turkey. I'm not sure exactly which Turkish team it is, but I am sure it is Turkey. For them to take that number 10 spot from such a great player, he's definitely one of the all-time greats when it comes to the actual midfield, or playmaking midfielders at least, uh, to Emil Smith-Rowe, who is, again, he has a lot of potential, but he is definitely not a number 10. Not at the moment. A lot of players on that squad, if they have the right development and if they have the right playing time and all the right opportunities... These players are going to be world-class. Everyone saw that this summer with Bukayo Saka when he was playing for England. Everyone saw that with, you know, people who watched maybe uh, Gabriel Martinelli during the Europa League. People who watched Emil Smith-Rowe in the Cup games last season. They have a lot of great players, but they're very young. They're very unrefined. And Arsenal is defending or depending heavily on them, like to the point where they're literally not making any signings. And then when you do see Arsenal make signings, you kind of scratch your head because, like, if we're going to go back to maybe two years ago, we're talking about what? We're talking about $72 million for Nicholas, Nicholas Pepe, 
who is definitely not earned that contract 100%. That guy has, he's speedy. He's a pace merchant. He knows how to run. He doesn't really know how to much to do much else. We're talking about Willian, who came in from Chelsea. Um, <laughs> Willian. <laughs> he's he a great player, but again, I have no idea why they would sign him at that position. We're talking about players such as, you know, as recently as Ben White. Ben White was an Ars- or he was a, uh, an, a defender, a central uh, uh, defender for Brighton. And Brighton was known for their fantastic defense last season, and they're still known for that fantastic defense, but... To dish out fifty million pounds for Ben White is truly a big question mark. He mm-hmm. played that first game, by the way. He 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 ended up did playing that first game, and again he looked. Couldn't even okay. tell. He he looked okay as a defender, but still, you know, regardless of what you're doing, you're still playing for Arsenal. Arsenal has problems in every aspect of the club. We're talking about ownership. We're talking about coaching. We're talking about players. We're talking about signings. We're talking about the fans. A lot of players, or I mean, not a lot of players. A lot of people are convinced that Arsenal definitely has the worst fan base in the Premier League. You know, they're always there. They're, they're, they call them, you know, like history fanatics. Because again, every time you get into an argument with an Arsenal fan, I guarantee you more than 90% of the time, he's going to bring up the 2004 season where they went unbeaten and they had a gold Premier League trophy and that they're the only team in history to go and be in the Premier League. And that's fantastic. That's great. That was 17 years ago. What have you done since? We're talking about a squad that hasn't been to the Champions League in six years. Yeah, and it's I, been uh, it's it's a it's a far cry from the Terry Henry and you know Robin Van Persie days. Those days are are long gone. <laughs> absolutely, and 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 again, I don't see. I'm confused about the direction where this where this team is going. You know, you have a great bunch of youngsters, but again, a lot of these youngsters aren't playing. They're 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 on the bench while players like Aubameyang and Lacazette are playing, and while those two are great players. Especially Obama Yang, but I feel like he's wasting his 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 the twilight of his career at Arsenal. I could definitely see him, you know, flourishing under another system. Maybe uh, there were rumors of him maybe going to Barcelona, but again, those rumors were de- were debunked after. Um, but I, I'm I I again any signing that Arsenal makes, I definitely it's a question mark for me. I scratch my head. I, I don't get it. Even up until like even even yesterday, they signed Aaron Ramsdale, who is uh, the 23 year old keeper at Sheffield United, who are who got relegated to the second tier uh, this season. Aaron Ramsdale was fantastic. He really was. He earned his spot last year, and he he was definitely one of the best keepers last year. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the squad couldn't help him out. But you know, he him as a player himself was great. But still, why sign Aaron Ramsdale when you have so much faith in Bernd Leno? What's the deal there? Like, who plays now? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the whole Ramsdale thing, and they they threw a lot of money at him too. They signed for like thirty-two million pounds. Um, that's that's hefty. That's a, that's that, a hefty price tag. That's a lot for Mister Relegation. I mean, wherever he signs, it's, it seems to that his team gets relegated. I mean, it's not his fault. It could be his fault. Who knows? But I think Arsenal. This is just further proof that Arsenal. There's no hope for this team unless. You got to change the ownership. Stan Kroenke's got to get out. I mean, he's he hasn't been making any type of good decisions lately. They got to get some new ownership. That's where it starts from. Starts from the top. 
if, mm-hmm. if they don't get new ownership anytime soon, uh, I think they're going to stay like this. Unfortunately, Arsenal is one of the clubs that you want to see do good because as a kid growing up, you like the you know you like the Terry Henry, you know the, the Peter Checks, the Robin Van Persie's, you know the Perez, all those guys. Like you, you liked all a lot of those teams growing up, but. It's a shame, man. It's, uh, it's a shame that the club's in this state right now. I, they're they're just lost. That's there's literally no other way to put it. That I feel like they're just lost. Um, but yeah, no, like I I totally agree with you. Uh, if things don't change quickly at Arsenal, uh, you're gonna see the fans arguing at um, you know, on social media on how great the 2004 season was or how their players are much better than anyone else's but again those that that doesn't translate on the pitch um piggybacking off of that if we're going to talk about a team that's go, definitely going to struggle going forward and i hate to say this because uh this <sighs> is a personal expense to you you know it's coming uh, know. you know it's coming uh barcelona Barcelona, La Liga. I have never seen a player leave that would result in an entire league suffering. That's mm-hmm. that's 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 historic. You know, when Ronaldo left Real Madrid, you know, a couple years back to go to Juventus, everyone said, "Yes, he's a big loss to the league, but at least we still have Messi." That is definitely not the case anymore because I am talking about uh, Barcelona unable to re-sign Messi to a new deal and him subsequently signing with Paris Saint-Germain who, I guess, they're playing career mode in real life with the money that they have. I don't don't know how that Mm. is flying. Essentially, yeah, that's how it is. But just to kind of... Just because I don't want to get too biased and like get too emotional here, but literally, I mean... I was in I was in this state where I was like depressed. Like I didn't even want to go out. Like this is sports. I don't know Lionel Messi. He's not part of my family. He's I don't know him in any way. But him leaving just because I've been watching him since like God knows how long now. Mm-hmm. Him leaving just killed everything for me. Like my day was ruined. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to talk to anyone. It was just one of those things where I knew it was gonna happen, but I didn't know it was gonna happen like this. And then I like uh 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 Laporta our new president or I like him a lot but for him to come out and say no one's bigger than the club I don't know about that man I'm pretty sure Leon unless he's bigger than the club because he essentially is the club <laughs> and he's been the club for a good ever since Luis Suarez left ever since you guys bogus bogusly sold Luis Suarez for you know uh, pennies and some nickels to Atletico Madrid um so that 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 made me a little upset too. I like I like him though. I love the new president. He's he's miles better than uh Bartomeu. Bartomeu was a total disaster. And Bartomeu's a reason why all those players were in contracts like they were and they couldn't they couldn't take pay like they didn't want to take pay cuts, I guess. Not all of them could. And Messi couldn't get his didn't get his pay. He even said he said I was willing to take like fifty percent of my salary off and they still couldn't afford me. And he started crying, like he that's how bad he wanted to stay, bro. Like this guy this guy wanted to do anything to stay with his childhood club. A whole league was like ruined. He freaking he destroyed the
the whole city of Barcelona. Well, like I, I, I don't know. I don't know how the Barca games are going to look. Are they going to be? Are they going to be um, full capacity? Are people going to be like? Are they going to be sold out? Or who knows? Maybe there are some Barca fans that were just Messi fans. Me, I'm still watching Barca. I watched the last game. No matter what, I'm going to continue to watch them. But there are some fans that are like, you know, we like Messi more than we like the actual club, and those people are going to flock to Paris Saint Germain. They're going to go to PSG and they're going to watch their games now instead of tuning in to watch Barca. So this is going to have this is going to have a really big like trickle down effect, I think, and we're going to see it in like the months to come. And just just the fact that he left the way he did, and you know the club was having so many issues. Thankfully, we're not Arsenal level yet, but we um, we were about to get there. But after the dust settled and after I kind of sat down and thought about it, I was like, you know what? This is going to give players like Griezmann. This is going to give players like Memphis Depay, who was amazing in the first game. This is going to give players like um, Coutinho's of the world, the Frankie de Jong's. Those players are going to be able to shine now. And they're going to be able to kind of be like, all right, well, we have nothing to lose. Messi's not here anymore. No one's expecting anything from us. Let's just go out and see what we can do. And that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that Griezmann goes back to the Atletico Madrid days. And he goes back to being that prolific goal scorer. And Memphis Depay, uh, something tells me, um, you know, it's been a week, almost a week. Recency bias is, is almost out the window. So I still think, and I'm not trying to engage in hyperbole here, but I still think he's going to be, he's going to be one of our most noteworthy number nine strikers that we had. And it's going to take maybe like a year or two for it to show. But yeah, we'll get into the game um, just in a second here after I get your thoughts. But yeah, he, he had a fantastic game. Fantastic. No, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, Messi leaving is, is nothing short of a tragedy. You know, for him to give up as much as he did and for him to sacrifice as much as he did and for what he did, not just for Barcelona, for but for La Liga, the league as a whole, it's it's nothing short of heartbreaking for it, for, for it to see, you know, for him to end his career at Barcelona this way. You know, regardless of, of, you know, who you root for or whatever it is, and unless you're a diehard Ronaldo fan, it is very hard to cheer against Lionel Messi. It's, 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 it's almost impossible. You know, you always want to see Messi succeed. You know, look at how many fans they had during his, uh, at, the, at the Copa America last summer. Because, you know, everyone was trying to see him win his first international trophy with Argentina. And, and, and thank God he did, by the way. That was, that was great to see. But, um, again, it is, it's, it's, I, I'm, 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 I'm having trouble finding the words to describe how much of a loss this is. Because if we're going to look into the numbers, uh, Messi made exactly 8% of what Barcelona uh, had during their salary cap, you know, he, he makes 8% of the total contracts or whatever it is that Barcelona has to dispose of. But I read a stat that while he does make 8%, he generated 30% of Barcelona's total income. We're talking, you know, sponsorships, we're talking uh, merchandise, we're talking all these things. And for one player to generate basically one third of your income, it is almost unheard of. And not even just that, we're talking about Barcelona. We're talking about a team that has seen true legends of the game suit up for that squad. 
we're talking about, you know, the same squad that had Ronaldinho, we had Thierry Henry, you had, you know, Samuel Otto, you had uh, Chavi, you had Iniesta, you had a lot of great players come in and go from that squad. But again, none of those players were Messi. We are never going to see another Lionel Messi. And for him to leave his, his lifelong club because of what? Regulations? Because of, you know, essentially a salary cap of La Liga, whatever it is. It's, it's heartbreaking to see. You know, again, the law is the law. I, I understand why this happened, but it just sucks to see. I remember seeing the news... And for those of you who don't know us personally, you know, Mo and I, we always exchange, you know, breaking news together, whatever it is. I was actually driving to work and I saw the notification, you know, from Barcelona that they officially announced that they're not going to re-sign Lionel Messi. Again, don't don't text and drive, obviously. But again, right when I saw that, I was driving and I remember parking and texting you and letting you know, you know, just before you read it anywhere else, I'm just letting you know right now. Lionel Messi is not going to be returning to Barcelona. And, nope. and, and honestly, I, I remember going after work, I met up with some uh, friends. And, you know, we usually talk a lot of soccer together. And it's, it's crazy. Everyone was shocked. You know, we are not used to seeing Lionel Messi in another shirt. Seeing him unveiled at PSG in that number 30 jersey is, it felt like something out of the Twilight Zone. It just did not. Yeah. It feel. It felt. It felt photoshopped. Like I see it happening in front of me, and a part of me is saying that it feels fake. No, it. it, it like it, like you said, it feels like career mode on FIFA. And what also made my heart sink to my stomach is that number thirty was the first number he wore at Barcelona, and that's what got me too. Like, damn, we're gonna see him wearing a number thirty, but he's not gonna be wearing it for us anymore he's gonna be wearing it for for another team and not to say i'm gonna hate psg i'm always gonna cheer for messi i'm always gonna want him to win a champions league and win everything but if barca if we somehow meet psg i'm gonna wanna i'm gonna wanna whoop their ass honestly i'm gonna want us to win i'm gonna want us to win in a in a, in a big margin but let's be real with mbappe and messi playing just that even if just them two play Neymar doesn't even have to play we're still gonna get thrashed but if all three of them are playing might as well just I mean, simulate to the end of the game at that point essentially honestly it, it, and you're just talking about the, the the strikers on that team if you want me to go ahead and name the rest of the squad we're literally gonna spend another half an hour talking about how each player both players that are at the club currently and players that recently just signed for the club are great players. They are impact players. You know, a few notables, we're talking about um, Donnarumma, who was named the best player at the Euros because he was fantastic, kept a lot of clean sheets, saved Italy more than a few times. We're talking about Sergio Ramos, who is essentially one of the all-time best defenders. You know, I hate Real Madrid with a passion. I do. Anyone that knows me truly knows that I really hate Real. But I'm not going to deny that Ramos is definitely one of the best defenders out there, both today and all time. We're talking about Gini Vinaldum, who is definitely one of the best players over at Liverpool. We're talking about uh, Ashraf Hakimi, who is, he is, in my eyes, the most volatile player. He definitely has the most variety at, at what positions he can play. We're talking about a player that essentially started off as a right back, but again, at Inter, he showed us that he can also play as a right midfielder and a right winger. He played at both positions several times for Inter, whether it was due to injury troubles for other players or a tactic 
that Antonio Conte wanted to use last season. So it is crazy what Paris Saint-Germain has done. Like I said, it feels like career mode. It definitely feels like they're playing career mode. I'm not sure how this goes. I'm not sure how they made all these signings under the financial fair play regulations. I'm not going to get into it. I feel like it's a little bit unfair. But again, if you can't win the Champions League with this squad, this is a clear sign for Kylian Mbappe to leave. Yeah, no, definitely. If they can't win with, with this squad, there's some serious, serious issues, and Kylian Mbappe probably probably will leave. Um, but just to kind of just kind of move back to uh, the whole La Liga thing, uh, I'm just gonna go through the Barca game real quick. All right, so Barca, Sociedad, um, Sociedad's a team that usually gives us problems, a lot of problems, but they were missing they were missing a decent amount of players. Uh, Alexander uh, Isak, their their forward, he usually gives us a lot of trouble. We struggle against him. Those fast players, him and Yaki Williams, those those players with pace really struggle against our our defense that seems to be walking on crutches all the time. So gonna start with the lineup here, gonna go through it and gonna give ratings actually. I'm just gonna give each player kinda rating one out of ten. So let's start with uh, Norberto Neto in goal. Obviously, Ter Stegen's injured. We've been ravaged by injuries as a team. Um, Neto in goal. I mean, he 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 did he did well. I mean, they he he let in a couple goals, but they weren't his fault. So I'll give him about a seven out of ten. You had Sergio Dest at right back. Um, so the defense essentially is Dest, PK, Eric Garcia, back three. Um, the man we got from we got from Man City. He was a, a La, La Masia product as well. That's awful. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, three is is tough. Well, it's it's bad, but at the same time, I mean, Umtiti. God knows when he's gonna even play. If he's even gonna play, um, Sergio Roberto. I'd rather have Sergio Dest playing honestly, and Eric Garcia. Um, you know. It's just it, it it is what it is, and then oh, and then and then uh, Jordi Alba, sorry, at left back, I forgot about him. Um, so I'll go through, yeah. So I'll go through just just uh, quick ratings here. So Dust, he did he did okay, nothing remarkable. He was fine. He was making some nice runs. Um, he had an assist, so I believe a hockey assist to a goal. So I'll give him an eight out of ten. PK had a goal, so he automatically he automatically just gets a ten out of ten just because he scored. Because knowing PK, I mean him getting laboring up the field for for a free kick is enough work for him. Um, Jordi Alba, he's always solid. He gets he gets he gets a nine for me no matter what he does. Every, you can always count on Jordi Alba. Eric Garcia was okay. He had some nice touches. He covered his area pretty well. Him and PK were the two center backs. Um, he did all right. Uh, give him a give him about a seven. Uh, in midfield, you had Sergio Busquets, who is now the captain ever since Messi left. Um, Pedri and Frankie De Jong. Pedri, I just love that kid so much. Um, he's always going to get a ten out of ten in my book, unless he does something horrible, which he did not this game. So he did well. He gets a ten for me. Sergio Busquets. Pretty pretty decent, you know, it's kind of running the mill for him. He controls the midfield pretty well. It's a little slow. Sometimes he does he's slow on the ball, he gives it up sometimes. I'll give him I'll give him a seven. And Frankie DeYoung, um, solid all around player. Um, I'll give him a ten uh, out of ten. And then well the forwards are just, you know, Memphis and um <laughs> Lord Lord Braithwaite, Martin Braithwaite, um, who has <laughs> 
who scored uh, not only did he score but he scored for the first time since like 2019 or yeah something like that so um props to him for finally getting on the score sheet it only took him like a damn near two years to do it but it's okay we'll take it he has some nice goals and this is what i mean by messi leaving i mean that players like him might might who knows might come into form he you know no one really knew much about him before he came to barca and why we got him but who knows he might show that now that messi's gone who knows and Memphis Depay, he was amazing um the game as usual um didn't get to watch him much when he was at uh, uh leon but now that i'm watching him play and i'm watching his touches i like what he brings to our team he brings that swag he brings that uh that finesse play uh he had a nice touch where he uh he kind of looped it over the defender he was he was going one way the defender went the other and he kind of just little just a little dink of the ball he dinked it right over him it was it was pretty nice i'm not gonna lie and then um he did have the assist to the pk goal from like i don't know maybe 30 yards out he just played in a nice in swinging corner that was literally like right on PK's head. He didn't have to do anything else except guide it in. And Sociedad hasn't haven't won at Barca since like 1999. So um, that continued as well. And another thing I liked is kind of the last thing I'll go um, into this game just real quick. So the fans every every tenth minute of every home game they're gonna start chanting Messi's name, and they did do that yeah. in this game. And I thought that was okay. awesome and just goes to show how loved he was by all the Barca fans. Just everything he did for us. So um, good game all around for us. Um, like I said, Sociedad, it was ended 4-2. Sociedad made a late comeback. Sergio Roberto iced it um, late on in the 90th plus one. Braithwaite, two goals, one assist. Uh, Memphis with the assist and PK with the other goal. Um, next week on Sunday, this Sunday, we go up against Athletic Bilbao, which, like I said, they give us trouble all the time because they just have the fast-paced player forward in Yankee Williams. That guy is really fast, and he'll just run at, run past our defenders. So we'll see how Eric Garcia does. He's supposed to be um, very high on him just because he was a La Masia product, product of Barcelona. He did go to Man City. He was under Pep for a while, but it's hard for him to get any playing time in that back line of Man City. So... Um, yeah, we'll kind of see. I'm just going to give my prediction right now about this game just because um, I'm giving it some thought. Um, I say I say 2-1 Barca. I think we squeeze by, but barely. I think we go down uh, 0-1 first, though, and then we just come back 2-1 because we like to do that. We like, we like those comebacks. Well, I mean, you know, picking... I mean, you basically said it all. There's not much I could add to that. Um, I definitely agree with you on a lot of points that you made, uh, especially when it comes to Memphis Depay. Uh, maybe the reason that he he's making a really great comeback, you know, because he was injured basically all of last season. I think it was a 13-month injury when he tore his ACL with uh, Olympic Leon. So that's a reason a lot of people don't really, you know, they haven't seen him recently. But uh, it's great to see that he's doing very well uh, on the pitch. You know, it definitely looks like he's over the injury. Um, I definitely agree with a lot of points that you made about, you know, maybe up-and-coming players that could definitely take over that spot that Messi has definitely left behind. We're talking about Antoine Griezmann, obviously, who uh, definitely, I feel like he can carry this squad on his shoulders if he puts the work in, if he definitely focuses more. Uh, Pedri, uh, 
not that poor, poor guy uh, playing literally almost every single game. Um, <laughs> he he's he's definitely up there. He, yeah, he's just he's, getting he's, you know the the whip and chain out for him. Honestly, essentially, he's he's definitely the workhorse of every single squad that he's on, which is crazy to think. It's to the point where uh, Ronald Koeman, the Barcelona coach, announced today that after the next game. He's going to take a re- uh, two-week break uh, because, dude, mm-hmm. it, we're we're literally talking about what an entire season of Barcelona, followed by uh, a Euro run with the senior squad uh, with Spain, and then going into the Olympic squad with Spain, and then literally coming back to Spain for preseason training with Barcelona. That's just crazy to think about the 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 durability that this guy has is is insane and it's kind of funny to see because there are a lot of players uh on barcelona squads who maybe aren't as durable uh you mentioned samuel and umtiti who gets you know injured quite often but uh definitely the king of injuries on your squad is uh usman dembele i honestly if 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 dembele plays for more than like two months honestly i i applaud him I yeah, I think the last time I think the last time he was fit was signing day when we presented him. Um, <laughs> it is. Borussia Dortmund is definitely very thankful that they sold him to Barcelona for 120 million pounds because that man definitely is not worth that. Now he's not even worth half of that at the moment. No, because he just he hasn't played. So yeah, he definitely isn't. It's, it just it just so many injuries. It is it is almost. Baffling. He is essentially, and I hate to say this, he is the only player that played to people's expectations during the Euros when he was with France because literally everyone expected him to be injured and he did get injured in the second game. He was literally <laughs> the only one that lived up to expectations. Mm, yeah, that's, man. That's funny to think about. It's horrible. But uh, one more thing from La Liga um, Real Madrid. I'm going to be forever to Thorn. Thorn in our sides, uh, always as a Barca fan. Um, they just signed K- Karim Benzema to a long-term contract, so he will for- he will be a thorn in our side until 2023. And this mm-hmm. man, uh, I-, I don't like anything about Real Madrid, but I respect the hell out of uh, Karim Benzema just because he. I mean, this is the the rate he scores goals is just shocking. Honestly, this guy's just a machine. He scored 194 goals in 384 games since joining Madrid in 2009. Yeah, so he's he's up there with like one of the best strikers in in the world, in my opinion. Um, I, he might he might not get as much love as he deserves, but I think he should. And this is coming from a Barca fan. Um, he's probably like. There's a couple players on that squad I really, really like, and you know I hate to admit it, but uh, Benzema is definitely one of those guys. But yeah, that was, he definitely that was... is. Uh, what's mm-hmm. most impressive about him is that he doesn't really have like an outstanding quality. Like he's not exactly world class at any trait that he has. He's world class at scoring goals, yes. But is he like extremely fast? No. Does he have like a lot of strength? Is he known for his strength? Nope. Is he known for his accuracy? Maybe, not really. Is he known for his like, you know, his shot power? Also no. But he gets it done. Week in, week out, you know, he's definitely carrying that Real Madrid squad on his back. And that's very impressive to say to say because they have a lot of great players on that team. 
you know, obviously last season they had Sergio Ramos, they had Rafael Varane, they had, you know, Tony, they still have Tony Cruz, they have Luka Modric, who is, again, you know, no way around it, he is a former Ballon d'Or winner, which means he was the best player during that year. I still disagree with that award, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, he, they have Eden Hazard, who, again, he was definitely one of the best players in the world when he was at Chelsea, but since he went to Real Madrid, a lot of injury troubles. Uh, they have a lot of great young players that, uh, you know, coming up as well. You know, they have Vinicius Jr., they have Valverde, you know, they have a lot of great squad players. But again, Benzema is most definitely the star of that show, and it's very impressive to see him, you know, still scoring go- goals. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Real Madrid is definitely going to be a thorn in Barcelona's side. Uh, Atletico Madrid, also, uh, winners... Um, they yes yeah they did win the La Liga last season. I mm-hmm. honestly could see them repeat. I I could see them repeat. Real Madrid, they have a lot of great great players like I said. But again, a lot of transition, especially on the defensive end. You know, like I said, Rafael Varane is gone. You have Sergio Ramos who is gone. The replacements are who Nacho Fernandez, uh, David Alaba who came in from Bayern Munich. Uh, no, Militao, you know, you know they're they're good players, especially Alaba. You know, again because of my bias towards Bayern Munich, but again Alaba is getting up there in age, and it's not even just that. During his last years at Bayern, he honestly didn't really play the central defender role. He was definitely coming up with the strikers and the midfielders. You know, joining the attack as much as he could. That's not going to be asked of him at Real Madrid. Because, you know, they obviously have a lot of great players who already are part of that attack. But um, just, you know, I don't want to dwell too much on that. Uh, Speaking of Bayern Munich, uh, let me let me go ahead and uh, get into what what Bayern Munich has done this season so far. Uh, We played one league game against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, We ended up tying that game. You know, as per usual, um, we always start off slow for some reason in uh, the Bundesliga, but we always end up winning. I, I don't know how, but I'm very glad to see it. I think we've won Bundesliga eight years in a row now, so we definitely have a monopoly on that squad. Uh, I'm not really going to put any blame on the tie because, like I said, I'm used to slow starts, and there's going to be an even slower start because we have a new coach in uh, Julian Nagelsmann, who is the former RB Leipzig coach. Uh, our former coach, Hansi Flick, uh, accepted uh, a position to coach the national uh, squad of Germany after uh, Joe Kim Lowe uh, um, retired, or he left the squad at least. Uh, Robert Lewandowski scored in the 42nd minute. Uh, it was fantastic. It was definitely a curler. He was. It was a great attack. Like it was a great buildup. And uh, man, Lewandowski continues to uh, to wow people. 33 years old today. Happy birthday to Robert Lewandowski. But still, I in my eyes, definitely the best striker in the world at that moment. Uh, definitely not enough, again, to win against Borussia Mönchengladbach, but, you know, still a very long season. Uh, we also played the uh, the German Super Cup, or the DFL Super Cup, against uh, Borussia Dortmund, who are definitely our arch enemies. Uh, it looked like an easy one for us. Honestly, I remember watching the game. Um, I remember uh, Robert Lewandowski scoring in the 41st minute. Uh, definitely a great, great strike from him. Uh, Marco Reus, uh, the Borussia Dortmund legend, uh, replied to him, I think, what, 20 minutes later. 
Uh, definitely, definitely. I remember watching Royce's goal. Royce definitely had the best goal of that game. It was out of the box. It was fantastic. It came out of nowhere. I remember literally jumping from my seat as I was watching. Um, Robert Lewandowski uh, scored again in the 74th minute, and so did Thomas Muller, both club legends. Uh, we ended up winning 3-1 and winning yet another trophy to add to our collection. Our next game comes up against uh, FC Colm who are uh, great, but uh, again, you know, they jump back and forth between the Bundesliga first tier and the second tier. Uh, I could definitely see this as an easy win. They definitely give us trouble. I remember facing them last year. Uh, when when we faced them last year, I mean. and uh, But again, I, I definitely see this as an easy win for us, maybe. Uh, I could maybe see a, what, 2-1 victory against FC Colm. And uh, yeah, that pretty much uh, brings up the roundup to an end. Um, let's, you want to do some uh, fantasy talk real quick? Yeah, I was going to announce that uh, starting from this week, we're actually going to start a new segment, uh, a fantasy segment. Um, we're going back to the Premier League. Uh, basically, uh, if you guys don't know, the uh, fantasy app for the Premier League is definitely one of the most popular uh, fantasy apps worldwide. And I've been playing for four years, and uh, recently uh, I've gotten Mo to join a league since he's starting to follow more the Premier League more closely. And uh, we figured it was uh, a great idea to add a little segment to our show to talk about maybe players that performed well for our teams this week. You know, maybe some fantasy advice, players up and coming, things like that. So, um, you Mo, do you want to start us off? You want to you tell us, you know, who yeah. played well for your squad last week? <laughs> so, it was... Probably just one person that played well for my squad last week, which was San, um, because I captained him, and he got me 20 points, so that was very good. I'm still at the bottom of the list, just because I invested too much into my bench, unfortunately. Didn't invent, invest enough into my starting uh, my starting 11, but it's okay. It just it comes with time. It's my first time playing, so it's still very, very fun. I mean, I recommend this to anyone. If, if you guys are football fans especially Premier League fans, and you just want something to do with your friends, or even just join a random group of people. Like It's it's fun. It's fun to test the different squads and see how, how people play, and there's a lot of tactics to it that I'm slowly figuring out. But for me, mainly, San um, Suchek from West Ham. Uh, I believe he scored a goal, so that helped us. And yeah, um, that was about it for me. <laughs> Not much really going on for me, but... Hopefully next week will be better. A long season, man. It's a long season. You still, you definitely still have some learning to do. But again, um, you know, like I said, long season, and uh, your bench was fantastic. But again, I think you you kind of invested too much into the idea of having a balanced squad when it comes to both the starters and the bench. And you know, that's right. not that's not a bad idea. But again, you know, you really gotta like find the right balance between. You know, your starters and your bench. For me, I'm looking into maybe what, maybe 70 to 75% of my star power are my starters, and then maybe 25% are my bench. Some people might disagree with me because when it comes to actual bench players, I don't really have players that are going to like show out every, each and every single week, but I have players that are at least going to give me points. You know what I mean? And uh, if we're going to talk about my fantasy squad, I think I did pretty well last week. Um, I scored 84 points. Uh, my two standouts for sure were uh, Bruno Fernandez, like I, like I said, a hat-trick. That scored me 20 points. 
And uh, Mo Salah, who scored 17 points for, off of a goal and uh, two assists and a clean sheet. But I captained him, so that's double. So we're talking about 34 points. Um, a few other notables for me were uh, Danny Ings, who scored a penalty in the 96th minute for his first official game with Aston Villa. Uh, we're talking about um, Aaron Cresswell, who is definitely one of the more popular picks at Defenders. He's cheap. Uh, we're going for he goes for 5.5. Um, and for those of you not familiar with uh, the fantasy app and how pricing goes, that's very cheap when it comes to a good defender. He's definitely going to stay in my squad a little bit more. Um, Simicas, the, the Greek player, the backup left back for Liverpool, he ended up scoring or he ended up uh, scoring six points for me be, only because of the clean sheet. And uh, the only reason I picked him is obviously because Andrew Robertson is currently injured and he's his only backup. So that was a risk that, you know, that, that paid off for me. Um, you know, uh, players that disappointed for me, maybe we're talking about Jack Raelish. He only scored one point for me. It should have been two, but again, got a yellow card in the 90th minute. Not very great for me. Ivan Tony, the Brentford uh, striker, uh, he's relatively unknown. When it comes to fantasy players, but I uh, I learned about him early on um, because of his stats last season. He scored 33 goals and bagged nine assists for Brentford in the championship tier, the second tier of the English uh, leagues, uh, which is uh, something that has not been done since Mo Salah's his 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 historic season at Liverpool. I think it was 2017. Yeah. So right. that's that's something to look forward to. Um, Do you have any players talk- to recommend? Like uh, next week for people that are listening, if someone wants to, you know, captain someone or who should they start or who's a dark horse, like real quick, just go through those. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to my picks for next week. Uh, obviously, Martinez, Emil Martinez, the uh, goalkeeper for Aston Villa. They play against Newcastle. Martinez, for those of you who don't know, he picks up, I think he had the most clean sheets in the Premier League last season. If not the most, I'm pretty sure he was second most next to Ederson, but I'm not exactly sure. Uh, He goes up against Newcastle. Newcastle's, their attack is uh, not world-class. Yes, they signed a uh, new player from Arsenal named Joe Willock, who's great, but he's also a midfielder. He's not much of an attacking threat as much as he is uh, a playmaker. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, Ruben Diaz, the Man City defender. Um... As much as Pep Guardiola's rotations are unpredictable, I feel like he's maybe the most guaranteed player to play because he's definitely his best defender at the moment. And they play against Norwich City, who, like I said, not a great attacking uh, option for them. You know, when it comes to Pookie, Cantwell, or Leon Bailey, or, you know, or no, I'm sorry, Leon Bailey plays for another team. Um, I would also recommend getting Aaron Cresswell once more. Yes, he plays against Leicester City, who have a lot of attacking options when it comes to Harvey Barnes, James Madison, Jamie Vardy, and Ihenyacho. Uh, they they have a lot of great attacking options, but again, Cresswell is not just a, a threat when it comes to keeping a clean sheet, but there's always a chance for him to assist or even score a goal for West Ham. So that's always something to look forward to. Um... Obviously, keeping up uh, Bruno and Mo Salah, they're definitely... You have to have at least one of those two players on your squads. 
they definitely earn the most fantasy points by a mile when it comes to every. You have to at least have one of them. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I have both in my squad. I feel like, you know, the more the merrier. And while that has affected my bench and maybe the rest of my squad when it comes to depth, but I feel like, you know, both of those players have enough star power to keep me, you know, in the hunt for winning the Fantasy League title. Um, I also picked up Lukaku this week. He's definitely going to play his first official game against Arsenal. Um, he's set to play. I'm not sure if he's going to start or maybe show up near the end of the game, but I feel like Lukaku's a very solid choice going forward because, like I said, he's definitely going to be the starter going forward um, instead of Timo Werner, so that's that's something to look forward to. I kept Ivan Tony because he plays against Crystal Palace, who, like I said before, do not have a great uh, defensive line. I could definitely see him scoring maybe a goal or two, maybe at, least, at the very least getting an assist. Um, a very underrated player that I would recommend to players to get are Arbusuma, who plays for Brighton, and Ismaila Saar, who plays for Watford. Basuma scored only two points last week for only playing the full 90 minutes, but he is an att- he's a great attacking threat, and he's only a midfield player, and he's relatively cheap at 4.5. Uh, Ismail Asar is currently, I believe, 6 or 6.1, and he is definitely maybe not the best Watford player, but he's definitely up there. Like He's, he's top two, top three when it comes to attacking threats, and uh, he plays against Brighton, who, yes, they do have a great defensive line, but again, they're not perfect. You're not going to keep a clean sheet every game. Um, that's that's basically it when it comes to my fantasy picks. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot more um, players that you can get, but again, this is based solely off my opinion. When it comes to who I'm going to captain, um, for me, it's between Bruno Fernandez and Mo Salah. But I, like I said before, I'm I'm leaning towards Bruno only because. Uh, Mo Salah and Liverpool play against Burnley, who have a very annoying defense. To the point where, if you look at the stats, Mo Salah only has one goal in their last seven matchups. That's tough. I, I, yeah. I, I, I need the points. It's still early in the season, but I don't want to fall too much behind. Uh, Bruno Fernandes plays against Southampton, who... They're a decent squad overall, but again, I feel like Bruno Fernandez is much more of an attacking threat when it when it comes to playing against you know an easier defense, I guess. So I think I'm going to go with him um, against uh, against Southampton. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, um, I'm kind of just learning the ropes here, so I'm just just gonna do a lot of experimenting and stuff, but. Uh, I mean, I hope I hope you guys really like that segment. That's something we're going to continue to include uh, in our podcasts uh, to come, hopefully. So, <laughs> if you guys uh, if you guys do like it, you know, let us know. Um, we'll be tweeting we'll be tweeting out whenever we uh, release episodes. So, we'd like some feedback uh, if you guys liked it, what you guys liked, if you guys didn't, what you guys didn't like. That way, we can improve on it for next time. Um, yeah, but I think uh, I think we covered everything. Unless you have uh, anything else you'd like to you'd like to go over. No. Not at all. Just going to do a little social media plug. You can follow us on Twitter at the Deep End PD. Um, you can send any questions, any concerns, any comments uh, that you have about the podcast. Anything that you'd like to see us talk about. You know, any questions that you'd like answered. Again, that is at the Deep End PD. 
other than that, no. Uh, I think this was a great episode. Uh, we're going to double up very soon and release next week's episode for next week's games also relatively soon. Until then, this was Hamed and Mo breaking down everything in the soccer world. All right, see you guys next time. <laughs>